Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, as I mentioned to you, we're going to be starting to look at the whole issue of when God came among us. And I'm going to be honest with you, as we look at these first two chapters, chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Luke, you're going to see that it was more than just a coincidence. It was more than just something that just happened out of the blue. But that God was orchestrating it all from the very beginning. It was all part of his plan. And as we look at it, the fact that it's more than just a coincidence, we're going to look at these passages, we're going to look at the lives of some very real people, some incidents that happened to them, we're going to talk about some things that happened to them, and from that we're going to learn some lessons for ourselves. We're going to learn especially what it is that God would have us to know, not just about Christmas, but about your life right now. And today especially we're going to talk about breaking the silence. Because what we're going to see is we're going to meet two people. We're going to meet a lady by the name of Elizabeth and a guy by the name of Zacharias. They're pretty old. And in their life, they've had nothing but silence from God concerning one issue. And the issue is having a child. For the nation Israel, they've had nothing but silence from God for 400 years. After the close of the book of Malachi, there was no revelation that was given at that point. Up until this time, Luke tells us, when an angel would appear and foretell something that would be amazing. You know, you may be here today, and in your life, you're looking for God to show you something. And you've been praying. And you've been seeking Him. But all you're getting is silence. There's some encouragement from this passage when we look at their lives for you today. But let's look at their lives. We're going to see that God is an awesome God, and that he is very powerful. We're going to look at verses 5 through 25 as we look at the life of these two people. Verse 5, the writer Luke says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the division of Abijah. His wife was was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before the Lord in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And you may have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many 
of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, who was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. My friends, we're going to look today from this wonderful passage of something wonderful that was foretold, and we're going to learn some things, hopefully, that we can apply to our lives concerning God and concerning the silence that we face. First of all, I want you to notice the silence. A couple things about the silence. First of all, I want you to notice about Elizabeth and Zacharias. The scripture tells us that they were wholeheartedly devoted to God. They were wholeheartedly devoted to God. That's what it says there. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, his wife, the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. That was their life. They lived their lives in such a way that they were wholeheartedly devoted to him. Now, if that's all you knew about them, you would say, well, man, they must have been real spiritual people. They could really handle it. That's great. But they probably have never had a tough time in their life. Because isn't it during our tough times that we turn away from God? Isn't it? Isn't it during our tough times that we really decide that maybe God has given up on us, especially if there's silence from Him and we just kind of have to struggle on our own and we engage in things that maybe we shouldn't engage in. And so we, we, you know, we just kind of say, God, if you're not there for me, I'm not there for you either. And that's really natural for us to do that, isn't it? But I want you to notice something. The very first thing the writer Luke tells us about this couple is, is that they were wholeheartedly committed to God all of their life. This was a righteous couple that served Him, that loved Him. Now, they weren't like the Pharisees, so to speak, and all their right actions. They had a right heart. Does everybody understand me? They had a right heart. But then the writer tells us, then the writer tells us that their life wasn't perfect. Even though they were wholeheartedly committed to God, the writer then tells us in the very next verse what? That they were not able to have what? A child. Now, that may not mean anything to you today in our culture, especially in a culture of death that we live in today in our country, where children are seen as an inconvenience and we need to get rid of them. But to an Israelite, that was the most important thing that could ever happen for them. It was the most important thing that could ever happen for them was the fact 
that they would have a child. And so we see that they were not blessed with a child. Now you say, why is that most important? Because the desire of every woman in Israel was that they would be the one who would be chosen to carry the future Messiah. And it was a sign of the blessing of God on your house if you had children. And I want you to be honest with you, it would be a heartbreaking thing for them not to have children. In fact, I want you to notice them. Just skip over a few verses ahead. Notice when she gives praise later on. Notice what she says. Look at verse 25. Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when I, he looked on me to take away my, what? Reproach among who? People. What is she talking about here? I want you to think about her life. Here she is. She wants a child. She's in a culture where children are very important. It is how, obviously, they're going to take care of you later when you get older. It's a sign of blessing of God in your house. Can you see her walking around the village square and having all the busybodies in town saying, Oh, there goes Elizabeth. You wonder what she's been doing, why God hasn't blessed her. Isn't that the way we are? When we see people going through misfortunes, we immediately assume that what? God is what? Judging them. wonder what they did. But even in spite of this, then go back to what that verse before. Even in spite of a lifetime, listen, you're well advanced in years. You're talking here, probably the maidens at that time would have, when they got married, was probably around 14 or 15, and they would immediately get, have children. She's advanced in years. So you're probably talking here probably 20, 30, maybe 40 years of walking around bearing that reproach of having people whisper about you, of having not just that, that your husband, when he goes and serves as a priest, people are looking at him and saying, well, what's the matter with you, buddy? You don't have any kids. But I want you to notice something. What did they describe them as? They were righteous. Let me be honest with you. When I read that passage, it puts me to shame. It puts me to shame because I think about how I am and how fickle I am in my relationship with God. That even in spite of the things that happen or in the wrong way, I react wrongly to him. But here they are, even in spite of that, they served him with all their heart. And there's the silence. What I want to show you next is God's intervention. God's intervention. Look with me. Verse 8, it says this. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, whose lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple, and the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Here they are. Here's this guy, Zacharias. He's old in age. And and, and to be honest with you, by this time there's probably lots of priests. And rather than just one specific person, they gave each person an opportunity to be able to serve in the most holy place the Holy of Holies. And they drew lots to see who would be able to go in and offer incense. And the lot fell on Zacharias. It was his turn, his one-time turn, to go in and offer incense at the altar of incense. Now, while he's in there, the Scripture tells us that there are a multitude of people praying outside at that very time. Now, I can almost tell you what they were praying. Because they pray it to this day. They were praying for the coming of the Messiah. They were praying for the coming one. And especially right now in this day and age, because Herod is king, he's brutal, the Romans are in control, there's all these people, it's his turn, and they're in the midst of silence. They've not heard from God for 400 years. 
Not only has Zacharias not heard from God personally concerning his prayers for a child, the nation hasn't heard for 400 years. And at that very moment, when he goes in, here's this righteous man, he goes in to burn incense before the Lord as was prescribed by the law, God intervenes. God breaks through the silence. And I want you to see a couple of things here. First of all, God heard their prayers. God heard their prayers. Notice what he says. Verse 11, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Let me just stop for a moment. You hear all this angel stuff about people about seeing angels and, and you know, and the guardian angel and all this stuff. Whenever you see someone in the Bible meet an angel, the very next thing that's described is that they're scared. Because it's a terrifying thing to behold an angel from God. But I want you to look at going. But the angel said to him, and that's what it says, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers, your prayers, your prayers is heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Here's what he's saying. Here he is, he's offering incense, the multitude is outside praying, more than likely for the Messiah to come. An angel appears to him, he's scared, and the angel, next, first thing out of the angel's mouth is, don't be afraid. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because he is afraid. And then he says to him, your prayers are heard. Your prayers have been heard. I've, God has heard your prayers, Zacharias. And you can think about it, probably years of praying, God, give us a son, give us a child. It doesn't have to be a perfect, you can almost see the anguish of their heart and how they've been praying. And you can almost see where they maybe have given up, but they've not given up on serving God. And here God is, as he comes to them, he sends an angel, the angel says, God has heard your prayers. Your wife is going to have a child. Not just a child, a son. And you're going to call him John. See, God breaks through and he tells you that he hears your prayers. Listen, some of you today, maybe you're sensing silence from God. Sometimes we say things like this, I just feel like my prayers don't get above the ceiling. How many of you have felt like that? Like your prayers don't get above the ceiling? That's just your feelings. Because the fact of the matter is, he does hear your prayers. Now, the answer may not come when you want it to come, and you may sense silence, and the silence is just your feelings. The reality is, is that the great God who is in control will answer in his time according to his purpose and his will. He's there. And so the angel immediately says to him, your prayers have been heard. Think about what's going through his mind. Think about what's going through his mind as God is breaking the silence and talking to him. The next thing I want you to see is, is that God has a plan. God has a plan. Look at what he says. Not only are you going to have a son, Zacharias, but this boy of yours, God has a plan for this boy. God's going to use this boy. Look at what he says there, verse 15 through 17. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even from his mother's womb, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. There he's talking about the Messiah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's messianic statements there. 
And remember what I told you. When he went in to offer incense, the scripture tells us there's this great multitude outside praying. And what were they probably praying for? The Messiah. See, God intervened not just to answer the prayers of Zacharias and Elizabeth. God intervened to answer the prayers of who? The people outside. And he says, Zacharias, your boy John, he's going to be great. Because he's going to be the forerunner to the one who will come. He's going to prepare the people for the one who will come. See, he had a plan. God had a plan. Listen, my friends, you right now maybe are struggling with some things in your life and you just sense that thing and you just think that everything's out of control. Can I be honest with you? God never left the throne. He is in control. What does the Scriptures tell us in Psalms? David writes, The steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God is directing your life. He's got a plan. He definitely had a plan in this instance for the Savior to come. The other thing I want you to see is, and we see this in verse 18, I want you to notice how Zacharias responds to this, because he didn't just holler, Woo! I'm not a boy! Notice what he says, verse 18. Look at what he says. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Here's the next thing I want you to see is the human tendency. There's a tendency not to believe. This is a human tendency. There's a tendency on our part not to believe. When God speaks to you, when God shows you things, and God reveals to you things in His Word, the first tendency is, is how in the world is that going to happen? You don't know what I'm living in. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know all these situations around me. How's that going to happen? How Zacharias responded, you would have thought that he would have been, Woo! I'm going to have a baby! Woo! No more shame in the community! But notice what he said. How's this going to happen? I'm old! I'm old! It ain't going to happen! And my wife's old! He didn't believe. Remember I shared with you that verse, that uh, definition of faith? It really applies here in this situation, doesn't it? What is it? Faith is a commitment to a trust in, a belief in, the revealed Word of God, in spite of what? Hindrances, obstacles, and circumstances that seem otherwise. See, the angel came and revealed the Word of God to him. You're going to have a son. But notice what his problem was. He didn't believe it. He wasn't committed to the revealed Word of God. Because all he focused on was what? The circumstances. This isn't going to happen. How can this happen? How can this happen? Everything seems to go against it. Everything. I'm old. She's old. But you know what? Didn't he forget something? You say, what do you mean? Didn't he forget that he had an ancestor who was promised that he would have a child? And his ancestor was how old? A hundred. And his grandmama was how old? Eighty-nine. And they had a baby. He forgot something. That this isn't, and to be honest with you, Zacharias is not a hundred at this point. The same God who could do that could do this for him. And guess what? God did it. See, there's that tendency not to believe. And so, here's what I want you to see. God will show himself faithful. God will show himself faithful. Notice what he says. The angel said this, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. You can almost, you can almost sense the affront here. I mean, the messenger of the Lord is coming, and he's come and he's the angel. And notice what he says. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. 
I brought his word. You don't believe it? I mean, think about it. How many of you, if an angel appeared, first of all, you'd be scared, and brought to you a direct message from God, would sit there and say, well, how's that going to happen? I'm old. How many of you would be that way? First of all, you'd be peeling yourself off the floor. You've got to understand what's going on with him. He, his disbelief was stronger than his faith. But here's the thing. The angel says, even in spite of the fact, look, you're going to be struck mute. Notice what he says there. Who stands before the presence of the Lord and was sent to speak to you and bring you these tidings. Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until these things take place. They're going to take place, Gabriel says. God will show himself faithful. You and I need to grasp a hold of that reality. Listen, you might be here today and God very clearly showed you something. Maybe it was when you were reading his word. Maybe it was when you were praying. And he revealed something to you. And you just immediately thought, okay, yeah, that would be great if you could do that, Lord. But then all the circumstances rose up. It just seemed like one obstacle after another. And all of a sudden you begin to wonder, well, you know, maybe I just had too many hot Italian sausages the night before. Maybe it was too much pizza, bad coffee. Maybe I haven't been getting enough sleep. Shouldn't have stayed up late watching Letterman. And you start questioning. And here's the angel. He says to Zacharias, he says, Zacharias, I stand before the presence of God. You know what? You're going to be mute until you see it happen. And believe me, it will happen. Because he will show himself faithful. And maybe you need to be here today. You need to hear just the word. He will show himself faithful. See, his showing himself faithful is not hinged upon you. Because let's be honest about you and me. We're fickle, aren't we? His showing himself faithful is based upon who? Him. God. And that's what he was telling to Zacharias that day. In fact, think about it. He's going to be mute for ten months. Not able to speak. You think every day when he tries to utter some words, he's not going to be reminded of his disbelief? And you can almost guarantee it. He knows he's going to speak again. He'll speak again when that baby comes. So I want you to see there. God will show himself faithful. But then I want you to see what happens here. Look at their joy. Look with me at verse 24 and 25. Now in those days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he took, looked on me and took away my reproach among the people. A couple things I want you to see here. First thing I want you to see is this. God fulfilled his word. God fulfilled his word. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. First of all, he was mute. And then she conceived. Now it's interesting you notice something here. It says that she hid herself for five months. You would think she would be excited and be showing, I'm pregnant! Look at me! But she hid herself for five months. In fact, scholars, all the commentaries I read, they can't figure out why she hid herself. But if you understand what she went through, it would make perfect sense. Because look at this. She's advanced in age. And this is her first baby. She hides herself in her joy for five months for fear of what? In case something might happen. In case what? She has a miscarriage. Those things happen. In case something wrong happens. And, and then, notice something. If that happened, what would the flapping lips be talking about in town then? Oh, there's Elizabeth. She had a baby, but oh, she must have been doing something wrong. See, God showed himself faithful. She became pregnant. She carried that baby. Even though she hid herself for five months. You see the joy in her life? And the joy comes out. Notice what it says in verse 5. Verse 25 there. Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me and what? 
took away my reproach among the people. The next thing I want you to see there is that she praised God for his faithfulness. She praised God for his faithfulness. We just had Thanksgiving. How many of you truly took the time to reflect on that? Reflect on the last year? On the goodness and and greatness of God? Or were you reflecting on, will there be any pie left over for me? Isn't that what we think? But you know what? You need to take that time. And here's what she did. She what? She praised God for her faithfulness, even in spite of, not just the faithfulness of giving her a baby, but the faithfulness of God of removing from her the reproach, that black cloud that would be over her in front of all these people. That's God. It's okay, George, where are we going with this? Three things I want you to think about. Number one, I want you to ask yourself this question. How would you describe your devotion to God? Remember what it said about them. Look at what it says, verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. You know, if they ever had a right to turn their back on God, they did. You know, you and I do wrong, but how many of you walk around in public shame? Do you know what I mean by that? How many of you, if you were to walk down Kerwinsville, everybody would be like, oh, there he goes. Look at that. Look, there he is. How many of you face that when you walk downtown Kerwinsville or when you're in Walmart? We better stay out of that aisle. There he is. None of us do, do we? We walk with public shame. They did. And if they had a right to be angry at God, if anyone had a right to be angry at God, they did. But the Bible says that even in spite of all that took place in their life, even in spite of the reproach that she would bear, even in spite of the embarrassment that he would have, even in spite of all of that, it says they were righteous and they walked blameless before God. That was their devotion to God. So let me ask you a question. This is the question. This is the application. How would you describe your devotion to God? Are you fickle? Do you test the wind of fate and circumstances to make that decision as to whether or not you're going to be wholeheartedly committed to the one who saved you? Well, I guess things are going okay this week, Lord. I'm going to serve you with all my heart. Lord, I'm mad at you because this is happening. I don't know that I want to do anything for you, Lord. I mean, how's your devotion to God? These folks were devoted to him. Even in spite of the silence. And we're talking about years of silence. Elizabeth probably married him when she was 15. And the Bible describes her as being very advanced in age. That is meaning beyond her childbearing years. Think about that. How's your devotion to God? It goes on there. Next thing I want you to think about is, do you believe him? Do you believe him? When you read his word and he reveals to you things that he wants to accomplish in your life when he speaks to you. Do you sit there like Zacharias and say, well, ho, ho, well, that's great news, but man, I'm old. How's this going to happen? Do you believe him? Some of you right now, you're facing silence from God. You know what God wants you to do, but you're facing silence from him. You don't know whether you should proceed further or not, but the fact of the matter is it's not a question of you, it's a question of him. And the question is, do you believe him to do what he said he That's reality. And then finally, Here's the, here's the fact that we need to grasp. Here's the fact. Listen to me. God is faithful. You don't need to question it. Listen, God operates on a different timetable than you and I. We want everything now. Now. But you ever notice that when we get it now, it's not necessarily what we want or how we want it? See, God's timetable is completely different because it fits into his plan. And God is faithful. 
I just have to trust that he is faithful. Are you trusting in his faithfulness? Are you? How's your devotion to God? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.